Hello everybody and welcome to the Grace, Peace and Balance radio show with Gabi Abdel Gadir. Today I have an amazing, lovely, pure energy lady, Jennifer Kionaga. Jennifer is an award-winning author of the book, You Are Loved, How God Longs to Empower You. It's a book about how we are seamlessly connected to the universe or spirit which is readily available to us. Jennifer is also a co-author of the international bestseller book, Empowering Women to Succeed, Volume 3, Bounds. She was a registered nurse and worked in a hospital as a bedside nurse. In communities, she was employed as a visiting registered nurse supervisor and manager of community care. The ancient scriptures is her passion. Because of her many life challenges, she is often called upon to be of support to others who are feeling overwhelmed in their own lives. She knows that her Christian faith was a great support to many of her patients as a nurse. She feels this is her purpose and this spiritual purpose is going to expand in ways that will be revealed to her. Jennifer, welcome to my radio show. Hi, Gabby. I'm really honored to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you. Um, so, Jennifer, tell me a little bit about yourself. I have read your chapter uh, of Empowering Women to Succeed, Volume 3, Bounds, and I have to say I was in tears a couple of times. But just tell me a little bit, tell the, our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got into where you are right now and where you came from. Well, if you go back to the beginning of my life, it was very changeable. It was very uncertain for me. Um, I was left with some pretty awful babysitters when I was young. I was always alone. My hair was braided the night before school. I was probably in grade about one or two. I was alone in the morning, made myself tea and toast. There was a lot of uncertainty as my family moved constantly every 18 months, maybe a year to 18 months we were moving. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt there was. I was very... Um, I was just alone, trying to be strong in the world, much too young. And I remember as I aged, I became a teenager and, in fact, became very rebellious because I guess when I really needed my my mom, my dad seemed to be always working. He had a couple of jobs and never seemed to be home. But um, I became very rebellious and um, went searching for love and and ended up leaving home and, and getting involved in the drug scene and be spiraling out of control in the drug scene and ended up home weighing about 80 pounds out of my mind, completely, um, uh, uh, basically with no foundation. I didn't have a strong foundation to start life, and I left home at about, well, I left at 15 for a while and left for good and when I was 17. And so out of that beginning... I always um, felt an, an inner insecurity, an inner feeling of, I guess, not feeling particularly supported or loved. And so um, I did eventually end up at home again 
and um, they had tried to get me into a psychiatric setting, which I refused. Um, my mother thought that maybe a book on Christianity would help me. I flung it across the room. I felt that was not something that would that what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. But anyways, to make a long story short, I tried different jobs, and I eventually applied to college and to be um, a social worker, but unfortunately had a disastrous, another paranoia-filled LLC trip before I got into the social, before school started in September. And then I lost my confidence and switched to secretarial, figuring that would be okay, just type away. And I really could not tolerate typing, walked out a typing test, could not uh, stand shorthand. So then my college opened the very first community college nursing program. I applied. I was accepted. I eventually graduated and uh, found the man of my dreams and everybody else's. From what I hear still, he passed away 10 years ago, and everybody still talks about how amazing Richard was, which he was. He was loving and kind. He would calm every baby. Every crying baby would just go to sleep in his arms and every rabbit, uh-huh. I mean, dogs that were not, he was just an amazing person. Yeah, can, um, you, can you tell us how you met him? I love the way you guys met. And just can you tell us how you met your late husband? Well, um, I went to um, a ski shop to okay. um, get my new ski boots attached to my binding, to my my old skis. Yeah. And when I went down the stairs, normally people didn't go to the shop, but for some reason I went down to the shop where the, the skis were going to be put, um, uh, my, my boot bindings were going to be attached to my old skis. And um, uh, um, he sold me a new pair of skis. And then as he was, doing the work, I was talking away to him, and it was love at first sight, really. Um, It was love at first sight as we saw each other, and um, I remember a month later, we were probably six weeks later, I guess, we were skiing with a bunch of people, and I blurted out to him, Richard, I want to marry you. (laughs) Oh, you did, eh? I did it, not him. I blurted it out, and he kind of choked because uh-huh. <laughs> he'd oh, been a very shy individual. Um, yeah, mind you, we weren't young, but um, he'd been very shy all his life. He was Japanese, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, he always said he felt different in a very wasp uh, Toronto. Yeah. And so, um, anyways, he kind of gulped and choked at the table. And But I have to admit, he stood by me. And he yeah, studied yeah. me, and mm-hmm. he married me about eight months later. Oh, and uh, people were taking bets at our wedding. How long mm-hmm. will this last with my checkered past? And, but he was the rock and the anchor that I needed in my life. Yeah. But it did not silence the emptiness. There was something in my heart. I was loved. I, had a, I was a nurse. I had a great career. I, um, I had so much going for me. And... Yeah. Um, but still there was something in my heart. There was something more. I'm missing, yeah. So how and did you so get to find, I, find it? Yeah, what, what was missing? So yeah, what was missing? And I thought, well, gee, I've got a great career. I'm loved by a wonderful man. Um, you know, yeah. we can travel if we want, but there was still something missing. And, and I realized it was spiritual. So mm-hmm. I went and bought a book on 
Proverbs, and I bought a Bible, which was a King James Bible, which was pretty hard to read. And I would try to read the King James, but it was just a big, formidable book, and I didn't know really where to start or what to do with it. So every day I would read a chapter of Proverbs to Richard on the way to work, or anyway, through the day, somewhere. I would read a chapter a day to him, and it kept saying, seek knowledge, gain wisdom and understanding. And I, I sort of kept wondering, well, you know, isn't spiritual stuff just faith and belief? And I'd ask him and I'd question him and it just came over again and it said, the fear of the Lord was the beginning of wisdom or the beginning, you know, the reverence for the Lord was the beginning of wisdom. And it was, it was saying things like trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And again, it would come back to the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding. And so I eventually said, I have to find what this knowledge and understanding and wisdom is speaking of. So I began dragging Richard, <laughs> mm-hmm. reluctantly, every Sunday to churches around Toronto. I think I tried every denomination possible, but I did not find what I was looking for. There was one particular church my mother kept telling me to go to, a Baptist church, and I said, I want to go there. For mm-hmm. some reason, I just didn't want to go to that church. Mm-hmm. And I went everywhere else. I have no idea why I didn't want to go there, but I just didn't want to go there. Mm-hmm. And so um, then one Sunday evening, we'd been watching football and reading the newspaper. We were sitting around doing nothing. It was a quiet, relaxing day on a Sunday. And then I just felt this prompting in my spirit or mm-hmm. in my soul or in my mind that I was to get up and I was to go to that very church I didn't want to go to. Yeah, and so I remember showering. The one your mom, the one your mom wanted you to go. Yeah, the the Baptist church. I didn't want to go to that church. I'd gone all over the city looking, and I'd given up. I'd actually given up my search. I didn't know what I was looking for, so I gave up. But then this one Sunday evening, I felt this calling, this prompting in my spirit to get showered, changed, and to go. And I remember I got, just got showered, got changed. I was headed for the door. My husband said, "Where are you going?" And I said, "I'm going to church." And I knew I shouldn't ask him to come with me. I don't think he would have wanted to go anyways. Because Mm -hmm. if he said, no, I don't want to go, I may have responded with, well, I don't know why I'm going. Maybe I don't want to go either. This was a time that I knew I was supposed to go by myself and for some reason. And I always drive. And this time I didn't drive. I walked very slowly. And I remember feeling like I was being led. And there was this incredible spirit of peace upon me. And it was like I was enveloped in something that I was not familiar with. And as I walked, I just looked at the houses and the plants as I walked along. Mm-hmm. And I walked into this old, old Baptist church in the Roncesvalles area of Toronto, Roncesvalles Village. And um, in one of the places we had lived at as a child, we had lived almost across the street from it, but had never gone in there. But anyways... Um, I sat in this old pew and I listened to everything and then the pastor began to speak and, and, and he said that, to make a long story short, that he, he said that uh, he, after the sermon that Jesus had laid down his life once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he had paid the death penalty for the whole world and that um, it was a gift Forgiveness and salvation was a gift to be received or rejected. And the longer that gift was rejected, our hearts would become increasingly hardened to it. And the heart of God 
became increasingly wounded by our Mm -hmm. rejection. Mm-hmm. And I thought, something in my spirit said, this is it. This is what I am to know. This mm-hmm. is what I am to understand. This mm-hmm. is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. And then I was not prepared for this battle that began in my heart, in mm-hmm. my soul, in my mind, in every cell of my physical being. This powerful energy force flowed through me. And I was in a battle. He had asked if anybody wanted to begin the Christian life to put their hand up. And my heart battled with, put your hand up. And the other part of me countered, no, don't. And I was in this struggle to choose this invitation to faith. And uh, my hands were clammy. My heart was pounding. My face was flushed. I felt this energy flowing through me. And it was this incredible inner battle that in, once he ended that call, it, the battle continued as I sat there. And it was so like you didn't, I felt... you didn't raise your hand? No. Okay. No. I was, so, I was so overcome by this inner struggle that was upon yeah. me, that was yeah. equally fighting for my decision, I didn't yeah. put up my hand. And I really yeah. felt after that that, wow, a sense of real sadness that that was the supreme rejection a battle to put up my hand, and I didn't. And then the other part of me almost felt like a, such a, an incredible sense of relief. It was like, whew, that was close. That's how it felt. And I sat there in dismay at what had just happened to me. But on the way out of the church, he had said, if you didn't put up your hand, please come and speak to me. I felt like he knew I was there. And I spoke to the pastor on the way out, and I said I had this very strange experience, like an inner battle. And he explained to me that was what he called the Holy Spirit. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was, but he said that was the Holy Spirit upon you. And I'd been brought there that day for a reason. And so he led me in a prayer, a prayer of forgiveness, a prayer of faith. And um, I was there, and I sort of said to him, well, well, whatever was on me is gone now. I don't feel it. I'll come back next week. We can talk about it. He wouldn't let me leave unless I prayed a prayer of faith, and I did pray that prayer. I remember walking home feeling somewhat perplexed with what had happened to me. Not fully. I did not understand what it was all about. When I got through the door of our apartment, my husband greeted me and said to me, what happened to you tonight? Nothing had changed. My clothes were still the same. And um, I looked at him, and in dismay, I said, I don't know. I really did not know. probably were glowing, right? Well, I know that from my studies in my book, I know that my vibration had changed. Yeah. My, uh, my frequency now, I had tuned into the frequency of God. Mm-hmm. And we're all energy. Uh, my book started with, um, with regard, it started with the picture of the brain cell in the universe, and they're carbon copies of each other. And when you study Which the universe... Which book are we talking? We're talking about the... Uh, I went back love? to my mm-hmm. book. So yeah. I think the reason he acknowledged the fact that I was different, even though nothing had changed externally, the energy level of, that I was giving off had changed. Mm-hmm. And I think enough. his yeah. energy realize and really what had happened is I was now tuned to the frequency of God even though I didn't um, know um, I didn't know why I I didn't understand I wanted to share this verse with you and it says that um, the person 
This is from 1 Corinthians 2.14. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and they cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Um, That's from my book. And so at that point, I had been touched by the Spirit of God. I had now prayed a prayer to accept that Spirit of God. I was tuned to a different frequency, and when I walked through that house, my husband, uh, that apartment, my husband could sense that I was tuned. Something was different. Perhaps he didn't know what, and I didn't even know what. But, um, and that, as, as I said in my journey, that started, that changed the course of my life that night. Your life, I yeah. came and from. And you used you used the prayer in in your work. While you were a nurse. Oh, when I was working, yes. And so that started me on a journey of faith. I was met yeah. with much resistance. I broke my heart over and over again as um, people mocked my, my, my sharing. They, they disdained what I had found. They were not interested. Um, I was brokenhearted over and over again. And I became increasingly quiet. And, mm-hmm. But I took comfort I mean, I had raw enthusiasm to share whatever was this force that had come over me. And um, I was just rejected over and over. And so I became increasingly quiet about it. And I took comfort in the fact that that the Lord says, always be prepared to give an answer, but do it with gentleness and respect. And so I just became increasingly quiet in my faith. And then as I grew slowly with through Bible studies and church attendance and classes and different things, I became a nurse. Uh, I was a nurse, I mean. And in my job, it's in, as a nurse, you see a lot of sorrow. Yeah, you see fear. You yeah. see people um, troubled by their diagnosis or their, their, they, they're dying or whatever. Their, their mm-hmm. diagnoses are, are basically terminal. Yeah. And I distinctly... I shared this just this past week. I distinctly heard a voice. Um, I remember going into a room. A, a woman came to me and, and, and asked me to please help her. And mm-hmm. I wasn't my patient, but the man was dying of cancer. His mouth uh-huh. was thick, and um, he was sweaty. His sheets were wet. It was change of shift. I should have been going home. And she came to me and um, grabbed me, and I went. And together we bathed him, we changed his sheets, we, um, I did his mouth care, got him something for pain, just helped her help him. And it wasn't my patient, it was change of shift, and, but there was a gap there and he needed something immediately. Mm-hmm. And I remember as I was walking out of that room, I distinctly heard a voice, a voice or a thought or something that said to me, rescue the perishing. And oh, so from oh there, God, I, I was always goosebumps. very, pardon me? I have goosebumps. <laughs> okay. And so from there, I made it, I was open then for the, any appointment that the, and I could tell you so many stories of how um, God used me in times of great fear to pray with people, to tell yeah. them they didn't have to walk this valley of the shadow of death alone. There was a God that loved them, that wanted to, to be there for them. And I remember I had one patient, and well, again, not my patient. I answered a call bell towards the end of my eight-hour evening shift. It was close to 1130 at night. And I answered a call bell, and he needed help. And everybody had told me how frightened he was. He was fearful, very, very frightened. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so I just stopped to tell him he didn't have to be afraid. And we sort of scoffed at the fact, ah, oh, I got married in a church, went to a funeral at church, I had no time for that. And I said, well, that doesn't matter. God still has time for you. And mm-hmm. I just shared things about faith and things, and, and I told him uh, that co- things that comforted him and reassured him. Mm-hmm. And um, I said to him, my husband's picking me up. I can't stay much longer, but I'll come back. I'm back in a couple of days. But when I came back, I actually went to my pastor and asked him what I should share. When I came back two days later, he was literally on death's door. His eyes were rolled back. His family was around his bed. I had lots of scripture and things to share with him to encourage him. Mm -hmm. And I remember I... um, I had encouraged him to seek God, but I sat there on the side of his bed, and I called to him. His name was Alan. I won't say the last. I said, Alan, look for God. Look for him. He'll meet you. I said, look for him, and he rolled his eyes forward, and he nodded. And um, I just felt with the family there, I, I just didn't feel the strength to pray with him or to to because um, I didn't ever met the fa- family. I didn't really know him. He wasn't my patient. Yeah. And I just felt this was just such a time for them, not for me, just to invade it. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I felt brokenhearted that I hadn't stayed that night, two nights before, and shared more and comforted him more. And um, I went but to I the station. But I think you did. Yeah, you shouldn't feel I did. I gave him some help. You did. But it yeah, was, exactly. I was so brokenhearted for him because yeah, he was so frightened. And his family came to me. After he had passed, he did pass shortly after that. In mm-hmm. you know maybe an hour or two later, he was gone. His family came to me. I had only answered a call bell once. His family mm-hmm. came to me and said I was his favorite nurse. Oh, but in the my darkness and yeah. the hopelessness, if he, I gave him comfort. And you want to know yeah. something? I was so brokenhearted that when yeah. I went home, I opened my Bible and I began to read and pray. And the Lord showed me a verse. I will call those who are not my own, my own. And I wrote his name in my Bible. I felt God was saying, I found him. I got him. Yeah. I felt yeah. like God was telling me. I saw him. He looked for me. I got him. Because it was, it was not a scripture I'd read really before. It's a big book. <laughs> to find mm-hmm. something that says to me, I will call those not my own, my own. Because he yeah. said he had no time for God all his life. And another oh thing goodness. I will say, yeah. that other woman, when I, her husband, when, when uh, I w- had walked out of that room, out of all the nurses and all the ones who had, again, he had never been my patient. It was just I answered a call bell, helped where the help was needed. And I remember the time he was dying. I was down another hallway working. I was handing out meds to my patients, and she came running to me. She grabbed me by the wrist. She said nothing. And she ran with me back through this L-shaped ward, back to the very far corner of the other end of the ward, and took me in her room. Her husband was taking his last breath or two, maybe his last few breaths, and she held on to me. And she held, and I stood by her, and I just comforted her and said, he's going, he's going. And um, when he went, she just grabbed me. I'm going to cry. And she put her head on my shoulder and she sobbed. And he was about the same age as my husband at that time. And I put Mm -hmm. my head on her shoulder and sobbed right back. 
Aww. and we sobbed together with the grief mm-hmm. that she had. I just stood. I felt her every pain, yeah. and um, I have to admit that. I mean, a, a few weeks later, she came to me again as I was working, and I just took her to the chapel, which happened to be the entrance, the balcony entrance, was on our mm-hmm. floor with the Catholic Hospital, St. Joseph's mm-hmm. in Toronto, and mm-hmm. I took her to the chapel and I sat with her as she struggled in her grief and I just prayed with her and comforted her and I just felt like when I went to the my faith was such an anchor God said rest to the perishing and I was such a comfort to those dying and I eventually went to the community and I was Mm -hmm. a palliative nurse to many of the patients sometimes and they would give me the heaviest and the hardest and the most challenging the most clinical and my heart broke every time, I have to admit. But I was yeah, stood in the yeah. gap with them, and I comforted them, and I prayed. It was my faith that touched their lives in the end. Yeah, and I think that um, is your calling, Jennifer. <clears throat> that is your calling. That is your purpose. And I realize now it's morphing. And right now I post, um, when I saw the, the horrors of ISIS coming through four years ago, I thought, well, that's it. I'm going to start putting a few scriptures into the darkness that's coming through on the news feed. And yeah. I was very and then frightened. And a lot of prayer, too. We need to pray, like, a lot of prayer for peace. Absolutely. Yeah. We need so to when pray. Did you, when pray did without you decide, Yeah. When did you decide to write a book, then? When did you publish it? I know that you published well, it this year. What month? I took, I took the course. Oh, I can't even remember now. But I know I, I had posted for 450 days. Mm-hmm. of scripture and then I was compelled to do it and then mm-hmm. it, the, the being p- compelled to do it lifted I thought I don't need to do this anymore but then I remembered this course I had taken a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, to take to write a book with Raymond Aaron in the 10-10-10 program yeah. but I hadn't done anything with it mm-hmm. so last year um, or I started again so I, last year I picked it up again Mm-hmm. And I began to um, take, I renew, re, you can renew the course. You can just review it with him. Um, mm-hmm. And so I reviewed the course and I decided I would write the book. And I, 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 the subject started because I had seen a picture of the brain cell and the, um, the universe going, uh, the, the picture of the universe going through on Facebook. And I sort of just thought, I'm always talking to God. I say good morning when I wake up, God. So I'm always talking to him. He's always present with me. And, mm-hmm. um, and I said, well, Lord, that must be significant. I wonder what it is. And I forgot mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And then I read in Ephesians that he who descended ascended higher than all the heavens to fill the whole universe. And I thought, wow. And I had had a vision I had a vision at a Holy Spirit conference several years before, uh, probably many years before, and it was a vi- and, and I had been swept up in the spirit, and I'd been given vision after vision after vision of the plight of women and young girls around the world, and gen- I was surrounded in this most perfect love, and the tears gently fell down my face, and I really felt mm-hmm. God was showing me His broken heart for the plight of women around the world those who are imprisoned, who have no rights, young girls in in brothels and little children, pedophilia, and and, um, those with no rights who are oppressed. um, He was showing me his broken heart. And he asked me, and there's a verse that says, who will stand in the gap 
for these and to pray. Because he's given us autonomy. It says that the Lord, there's a scripture, I can't exactly remember where it is, that the high heavens belong to the Lord and the earth he has given to man. So mm-hmm. he's given us autonomy. We've made kind of a real mess of it. But um, so, no, um, yeah. no, that's actually scripture. Okay, God. yeah, but and you were talking about how you got to writing your book. Right, and so uh, this Holy Oh, God, I lost my train of thought. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yes. Yeah. So I felt when I saw this, that God filled the, the universe. Then I realized this. I remembered that vision where I was touched with the most exquisite, tenderest love. And I thought, mm-hmm. the tenderest love of the God that I had met personally in that vision fills this universe. And when that vision had lifted, any complaint, mm-hmm. any harshness wounds that spirit of love. And there's a verse in Genesis which says, God saw that man's heart was, seemed to be always bent on, on evil and wickedness. And he said he was grieved. He'd made us because we caused him so much pain. But mm-hmm. getting back to the fact that that beautiful spirit of love filled the universe. And then I began to think, I saw in Hebrews, he created the universe. Ephesians says he filled the universe. In Genesis, it says he created man, he made the male and female, and he made them in his image. And I'm thinking, I always used to wonder, well, what part of me looked like God? And I'm thinking, well, here's my brain cell, which looks exactly like the universe. So that set me on a course to find what's the significance in the universe and how is it related to the brain. That's where I learned about Tesla, where he says if you think of the universe, you have to think of energy, frequency, and vibration. Then I have to, and and the scripture says you will have greater power than Christ. It says we will have the power that raised Christ from the death, from the dead. I mean, you just have to look at what mankind has achieved. Yeah. Since since the times when Jesus walked this world, I mean that Bible's written a few couple thousand years ago took 1500 years to mm-hmm. to to write it mm-hmm. and um and to think of what mankind has achieved since then it's remarkable and so i was trying to consider where does this power come from this power that raised Christ, this power that will do greater things than Christ did. And then I realized it's in our thoughts. It's our thoughts. And I know that everybody says, everybody's saying, talking about, there right now there's studies going on about as a, um, think and grow rich, as a man think is this another, another book that's very popular. Um, and when I, when I began to study it and started looking at the energy frequencies um, there's so much in that book about the higher the vibration the greater the creative um, creative force that was proven by Tesla um, so many great people Alexander Graham Bell said what this force is I don't know but I know it exists um, everything Einstein said everything we've created is created by our thinking there is not nothing and there's nothing created without thinking but the scriptures doesn't say as a man thinketh it says as a man thinketh in his so heart. is he yeah yeah i read right. that book and actually have the audio in my car as well right but it's as so if you studied all this before you started no this is uh, while i was looking for my book, book. Yeah. 
But as you think in, but when I begin to think of the energy levels, the thought has a certain level of energy. I don't know the actual uh, measurement right now. But the heart, the head, when you think a thought with your head, it has a certain impact on the energy field or creative field around us. But when you think with it in your heart, as the Lord says, as the scripture says, think it with your heart. Because your heart sends out ten times the electromagnetic energy. Ten yeah, times. Cool. Yeah. And so this is where I learned. And, and scripture says it over and over again to be yeah. positive. To be yeah. positive. I yeah. wanted to. I don't know if I can find the page. But um, so, um, Yeah, so tell us more about the book. And then um, I think you mentioned something about prison. That's your oh, book yes. Going to yeah. Be, yeah. Can you well, tell because, that picture? Because the scripture talks so much about thoughts and so much about being uh, positive, and I'll just give you three lists quickly, that when I, I thought if this gets into prisons, um, it re- this book, because of what scripture says, because of what scientists say about our energy, vibration, frequencies, um, because uh, um, it could, I felt if it went to prisons and shelters and those who are troubled, it would give them hope, the fact that their life isn't over, that they can mm-hmm. change their life. It just depends on changing their thinking, putting some emotional impact to it, and, mm-hmm. and sustaining it, and really keeping a vision and blocking out everything that's negative. Because mm-hmm. negativity will repel, positively mm-hmm. You know, think of a magnet. A magnet has two ends. One is negative and one is positive. And mm. you can either choose to, I know if you put the two negatives together, they're going to repel and two positives are going to repel. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, think in terms of being positive. But I just want to say what the scripture says, um, uh, it says to keep our pot, um, let me see. There's, I won't read the whole scripture, but God says God is love. And so what the qualities of love are is that love is patient, kind, it does not boast, love is not rude, not self-seeking, not easily angered, love keeps no records of wrong, it does not delight in evil, it rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts. Think of this as God is patient, he's kind, he's not boastful, he's not rude, he doesn't sell... It's a, it's a list of positive things. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit, when you finally are filled with the Holy Spirit, your life should exhibit the qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, yeah. goodness, yeah. gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Yeah. True. That would be the fruit of the Spirit. And then what does God call us to write? This is from Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what does he want us to think about? Things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Because all of these qualities between love, the fruits of the Spirit, and what we're to think about are all positive. They're all high vibration. High vibration has a higher impact to draw on the electromagnetic energy in this universe. We are yeah. human Wi-Fi stations, and we are, we are sending messages 
especially when you into the universe, which now I don't care if you say the universe because I know the Spirit of the Lord fills that universe, we attract more. The minute you get negative down on yourself, you lose. It's like sliding back a a hill. And you have to call it. um, And and he says that you can't be double-minded. There's a scripture that says when you're double-minded, you're like the waves of the sea tossed what do back. You mean, uh, what do you mean by double-minded? Like say somebody says, I really want to achieve this in my business, but tomorrow they say, well, no, I can't. I, I really, I, I just don't know how. Okay, I can't think conflict. of it. Okay. But then the I next it. day okay. it comes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But then the next day it's like, no, I can't. I don't know how to do this. Then the yeah, Lord they says, have well, conflicting. They have conflicting. Yeah, thoughts. it's like double-minded. Like one day I can, the next day I can't. This is what I, I want today. Yeah. This is what yeah. I want tomorrow. He said, when you're yeah. double-minded, you are like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro. He said, yeah. anybody like that should not expect to receive anything from him because he says you are double-minded in all your ways. Yeah, and you're not he, sure. Like, uh, yeah, you're not. And he says that. As far as he's concerned, the double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. Yeah. Okay, tell you me. Know, um, uh, tell me. So your book, you said it may go into prison. So can you talk about how your book, uh, Your Love, is going to a prison or to be circulated well, in I a did, prison? I, I contacted... I really feel very strongly about it being because it's not just scripture and the yeah. fact that that it explains that, yes, prayer and forgiveness and positive thoughts and holding a vision of what mm-hmm. you want and um, that these can, I, I really feel that it can give hope in the darkness of people who have lost their way. Absolutely. I find it very sad commentary. The Bible is not allowed in schools and all the positive qualities that are in there are not allowed. It is allowed. It is allowed in Catholic schools. In Catholic schools, maybe, but yeah, not in other yeah, schools. In public, no. And I don't know if they focus really on scriptures or catechism, which I think is... But anyways, I don't know the Catholic setting. All I yeah. know is from when my children were young, Merry Christmas was gone, and my children are in their, their 30s. They're going to... One will be 40 in three years. But way back then, almost 40 years ago, we couldn't say Merry Christmas anymore. It was Happy Holidays. Yeah. And um, all the Christmas... The carols were changed to, you know, um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and uh, that kind of songs. It was quite sad to see that almost four decades ago. So um, I really felt that this book would change the mindsets of people who have lost their way, who yeah, are in prison, who sure. are in shelters, who are lost, who are refugees, who've um, perhaps lost their way. And... Um, so I did contact the chaplain up at the super jail in Penetang. I'm on their prayer list. I receive a prayer list for, so sad, of the women and men that are in prison there. Every Thursday I receive a prayer list for them. So there's kind of a contact. It's a new chaplain now. I spoke with her. She was very excited to get the books. I did take five books to them. They're still in the process of considering them. Um, I will probably call them back this week to see what their response is. And I know that they said if if um, if they didn't have a budget for them, they would put them in their libraries for them. But um, at this point, I would love to contact um, someone who's in the government just to see. Um, I would love to start um, studies. Uh, I know that ALF, the Alpha program is taught in that jail. 
that's how I knew I would be received with by that jail, and I have been. So that's that's. And right now I'm starting another, I'm going to write an eight-part segment series. I'm planning to, I'm developing a website, which is Mm -hmm. still under development. We are going to market that program. Okay, Um, that's nice. And I have just met with a group of women. We are talking now of having, um, starting a prayer group um, for the concerns around this world. Yeah. I, it's it's still it's still in metamorphosis. This is something that's happening very organically. When yeah. when I w- when that I posted for 450 days, then I felt I didn't have to post anymore, and I felt it was to write the book. So now yeah. I have written the book, and I've now and also then you, been. You co-authored in, another book. So right, that, so I came was, that was a came very out. good year. Like yeah. Yeah, they came out within a month of each other together. Yeah, I know. And now it's just a matter of um, where am I going? My posting on Facebook, it's remarkable. I I did say to Dwayne the other day that I posted for a year and a half with not one acknowledgement on Facebook. I always like your posts. Hey, I always okay. like your posts. <laughs> well, I know you're faithful to me. I thank you so much. But when I started, it was a year and a half with nothing. And I finally said to God, I said, if there isn't a like tomorrow, God, I'm stopping. Because this is very hard. Because I was, and um, then I hit three. The next morning there were three likes. And I thanked those, those women. I said, you have no idea what this meant because I was going to stop. I, yeah. Just couldn't do it. No, no, keep on doing it. You don't have to stop because people didn't like it. That's uh, Just keep on doing it. Yeah, anyway, before we wrap up, where can people find your book? Um, I know Empowering Women to Succeed, Volume 3 Bounce, is available in uh, Amazon. What about and this will be on Amazon. It's, it's not there yet, but yeah. it's being it's right now. I, I kept it off Amazon just to sort of process it a bit because I was working yeah. on um, uh, the Empowering Weed. I was kind of light writing two at the same time at, at one yeah. point. And yeah. so I was writing two. And um, so it's going. It's, it's getting up there. And my website's being developed for the book, and I'm going to incorporate incorporate or link them with yeah. the other website that I'm developing okay. with um, Okay, uh, then you, when guide. you do that, when it's available on Amazon, you make sure you post it on your Facebook because I will be uh, adding your bio and your Facebook page to the podcast mm-hmm. so people, if they want to get in touch with you after listening, they can get in touch with you via Facebook, right? Right. Okay. Facebook for yeah. sure, absolutely. Messaging, yeah. it's almost better than email because email, I get so many emails and I just, yeah, you Facebook need to messaging is, now, This email thing, like, you know, um, what I do is like if someone is bombarding me, like I just unsubscribe because I am an email person. Like, unlike, I don't, I don't go to Facebook except like weekends and evenings just for about 10 minutes to see what is wow. important, like what I miss because I have groups, right? But because mm-hmm. it can be really um, daunting. It's good for people who run their own business, you know, like I have a full-time job my, my, and, and I don't really have a lot of time to spend it on social media, mm-hmm. but I make sure I check every evening 10, maximum 15 minutes. I check in my oh. groups and uh, what's going on. But I will post in your page. So, uh, one Can I say last one advice? more thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. 
But no, when I was going to say before we finish up, I just want you to give one. What is one thing you want to say to our listeners before, as a closing statement, like as an advice? Um, I want them to know there is a God who sits on the sidelines of their life and says he longs to be gracious to you. There are so many scriptures where he is so wounded that he is so rejected. It's quite remarkable. He loves you. And I will say it again, that um, as I heard when I went into that church almost 40, well, was 40 years ago, um, almost 40 years, um, that, that Jesus laid down his life, paid the death penalty for the whole world. It is a gift to be received or rejected. It is, um, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. And he now lives to intercede on your behalf. We once dated our time. So every time you write the date, it's been changed to common era, but every time you write the date, it used to be called B.C., before Christ, now yeah. it, and after, it was A.D. in the year of our Lord. We've taken away that which somehow used to date our time. And I remember when I heard that, that to me was significant, that something so happened by this particular life that walked this earth for 33 years that somehow we began dating our time by when it entered, before he yeah. entered, and after yeah. he left. Um, okay. we've got so far from that. But that's what I want to say. He loves you with an everlasting love. And in fact, it says, I have drawn you with an everlasting love and, oh gosh, and unfailing kindness. It's from Genesis. Thank I've drawn you, you so much. And I love you, Jennifer Kionaga. Thank you so much. Um, we're almost on time. So until next time, I'll be posting your uh, your uh, Facebook page and your bio, and uh, keep on inspiring and keep on teaching. Okay? Thank you, my darling. Thank you, Gabby. You're a blessing to me in every way. I remember Thank you, you had so a part much. in getting me that getting me to get that book finished. You were yeah, so gracious when you bit. said just you would. I helped a little bit. <laughs> well, God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you until we talk again, okay? Yes, my dear. Okay, okay thank you. Take and, care. and God bless everybody out there who's listening. Yeah, God Bye. bless. Take care. Bye, hon. Bye. Oh, my world so cold. Everything.